Content warning. This episode contains depictions of physical, verbal, and emotional abuse. Listener discretion advised. I don't remember how it started. I was a teenager, maybe 13 or 14, and there had been an aura of stress and conflict in our home for some time. I was carrying the salt shaker from the dining room table where we ate all our meals together back to the kitchen, and the plug in the bottom of the shaker somehow slipped into the shaker. Salt poured all over the floor. I stood, shocked, not sure how it had happened. Eric was convinced that I had done it intentionally, that I was fucking around and being a dumb teenager. I don't know why he decided that, but what preceded was the first moment I knew that I was in an abusive home. I remembered the day in snapshots, like a low-tech animation of someone flipping quickly through a book. Eric and Anne-Marie screaming at me, accusing me of being a liar, of trying to save my own ass, of preserving my pride. The same list of accusations that were thrown at me every time I did something they didn't like. You're rebellious. You're arrogant. You're a liar. You're manipulative. I remember it getting physical, me sobbing, trying to use everything in my power to convince them that it was an accident, Eric forcing me to the ground, pinning me to the floor, holding my arms and legs spread eagle while Anne-Marie slapped, hit, and spit in my face. I was broken, most of all because I already believed all of those things about myself, because I didn't feel safe being who I was. There are a number of people who, were it not for them, I would not be alive today. However, it is despite Eric and Anne-Marie that I'm alive telling this story. This is Girl Found. When my older brother was born, Eric told his mother that he hated him. Michael had stolen his childhood. He had made him grow up. Part of that makes sense. Eric was 19, a college dropout, and a pizza delivery boy. He'd been dating Anne-Marie for two years beginning in high school. They fought constantly. And all of a sudden, he finds out he's going to be a dad. Something I'm not sure he ever planned to be. Within months, he was working a job that paid a substantial amount, but was in customer service and required more responsibility and tougher skin than ever before. He was a family man. He came home from working a nine-to-five to a wife, a son, and a dog in a suburban townhouse. It was everything opposite of who he was. Through high school, he had been outspokenly against the establishment, wearing politically volatile buttons on his jean jacket, protesting the government, religion, and anything else that attributed to the sorry world he was living in. And now the anger that he had towards the establishment had to be more subtle, more passive. It was directed to everything that had stolen his life. Michael, his girlfriend, work, from which he'd come home and yell and scream and kick the dog. Anne-Marie was used to yelling and screaming and kicking, Her parents were both only children, 
raised in extremely spoiled environments. Her mother was raised by servants in Addis Ababa, surrounded by opulence and luxury. Her father was an overly conservative army man raised in Texas and Oklahoma in a comfortable middle-class family. And then reality hit. Two incredibly selfish and self-absorbed people now had to worry about taking care of other people. And they did it quite poorly. When Anne Marie's father was away, her mother attacked and abused them constantly, scratching, hitting, biting, denying basic necessities. Then her father would get home, and her mother would tell him every single thing they did wrong, and they'd be beaten all over again. I'd like to think that there was a lot of growth that happened between all of this history and when I was born, but Michael was only born five years before me. My childhood was born into this fucking mess. And this history explains the rest of my childhood. Next week, we'll be talking about the visions and legacy of Ellen White, and the week after that, we'll be talking about my teen years in the closet. We have a Patreon. I'm so excited to be able to reach more people and create even better content for you. Visit patreon.com forward slash girl found to find exclusive content, merch, and more. We want to hear from you. Contact us through Patreon or through Instagram, where you can find us at girlfoundpod. That's at girlfoundpod. Thank you so much for your continued support. This week is a little different since Caroline is actually interviewing me. There's more to this story, so keep listening through this short So this is what it feels like to be the, on the other side of an interview. <laughs> Are you excited? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a little bit nervous too. I'm used to being the one in control. I'm not sure I like not being in control. Well, I love it. <laughs> you feel very good about it. Great. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> okay, so um in case you missed it earlier, um, Caroline is going to be interviewing me today. Um, we're going to be, basically, she's going to ask me anything she's ever wanted to ask me. Nothing's off the table. Nothing's off limits. Um, yeah. So, go for it. Oh, and how we're going to do it um, is I have to pick a number, mm-hmm. and when I pick a number... Um, she gives me that numbers question. So that way they're not in order or anything like that. Okay. And there's some like serious ones and there's some more fun ones too. Okay. So like we could go from like having a really deep, intense conversation to talking about like our favorite cereal. Oh boy. Okay. Cereal's not a question. Don't the, worry. Okay. I was going to say, those are the hard <laughs> ones. Like I'll tell you all of my trauma, but don't ask me what my favorite cereal is. <laughs> don't worry. Um, so you can ask 1 through 34. 1 through 34. Um, and we'll just go until our time's up. Okay, 17. Wow, really? Oh, this is a good one. Okay. 
<laughs> 17. What's the most useless talent you have? Oh. Oh, I hate questions like these. I'm so bad at answering these. It's a useless talent, though. Okay. Um, most useless talent would be... Man, I, I honestly don't know. Um... Probably my random factoids. Like, I, I usually have a random fact for almost anything that can come up in conversation. Like, it's Sheldon bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay, next one. You pick a number. Oh. Oh, shit. Um, okay. Four. Four. What are some assumptions people have about queer people that are false? Mm-hmm. Um, that we are, what's the word for it? Um, that, that we're sexually loose, that if you're queer, that Mm -hmm. automatically means that you are, um, a slut. That's the big one for me. Like everyone that I talk to, um, who is in the straight community and has very little experience with the queer community just automatically assumes that because you're queer, you are horny or you're a whore or you're a slut. Trigger warning for those words. Sorry. I'll put Which, like, that we, in we aren't slut shaming here. Like, no. you do what you want to do. It's an assumption that's made about all queer people. Like, <laughs> am I a slut? 100%. But am I a slut because I'm queer? No. Is that fair? I think it's very fair. Okay, okay. Do you have any others or are you just going to share the one? That's the big one for me. Okay. That's the one that pisses me off the most, at least. Well, hit me with another number. Okay. Uh, 22. When you're having a bad day, what makes you feel better? The deep answer or the dumb answer? Both. Okay. Um, the dumb answer. Um, I'm still learning to listen to my body and, uh, I'm still learning that that's not a bad thing because I was always told mind over matter kind of thing. Um, so when I'm having a bad day, I think the biggest difference that things make for me is just doing things that I like to do. I know it's shocking and a wild concept, but like, watch some Netflix, eat something. Cause usually if I'm having a bad day and I'm hangry, like that's part Can of it. Can confirm. Um, maybe drink something, not necessarily alcoholic. Maybe drink some sweet tea or coffee, get a little pick me up, or maybe I need a GNT. But yeah, anything else that just is something nice that I enjoy. It kind of helps reset. Do I need more? Is that good? No, I think okay. that's adequate. Okay. Um, okay, what's your next number? Um, 19. Tell us about your homeschool experience. <laughs> okay, I, I laugh, but... I need to be fair to this. Um, I get a lot of judgment when I tell people that I was homeschooled K through 12. Um, A lot of people are shocked. 
Um, cause if you're not like conservative Christian evangelical, that's rare. Um, and I feel a lot of deficits in what I know today. Like I have a lot of insecurities about knowledge. Um, like I did not understand how the school system worked when I first met you, which was very unfortunate because <laughs> you're a teacher. And so you'd talk about things that normal people know because they all had the same experience. And I'd be like, huh, what's a PTA? Yeah. Like, I, I just didn't know. Um, so there, there's been a learning curve. I think the biggest thing for me that I had to learn was society, like the, the unwritten rules of culture and society. Um, how to exist in the world that we have today. Um, and that can be simple and silly, like my movie repertoire that I'm still working on, like Disney movies and, and things that you're like, you haven't seen that yet. Um, so like staples, things that you can't really... Pop culture references that are mandatory almost. Um, so I'm still catching up on things like that. There are random moments where I do something and you're like, what did you just do? And I have to explain myself and it's just really wild and weird. I'm having trouble thinking of examples right now. Um, but there are moments like that. Like the biggest thing is culture. And it's interesting because you met me after the biggest changes to myself in that department. Like I, when I graduated um, I was already working in the ER as a tech. Um, and the, that and community college were the area in the, were the places that I realized, Ooh, I'm different and I don't like it and it's not normal. And I want to have success in life. I want to fit in. I, I want these things, not in an unhealthy way. Um, but like, I felt like an alien. Do you think that your lack of, like, social understanding was due to homeschool or due to the environment in which you were raised in, like, the conservative Christian environment? It was one and the same. Um, the homeschool environment that I was raised in was the conservative Christian environment that I was raised in. Um, I did not have much socialization from homeschooling. Everybody who was homeschooled laughs at that um, concern, the whole socialization concern, but it really was a concern for me. Do I think it's a concern for every homeschooler? No. Um, but for me, it was. Um, Anne-Marie told us that we could have one um, after-school activity per school year. Um, and most of the time, that was church youth group. <laughs> so that doesn't count. <laughs> um, so I was very sheltered. Um, and I realized that I was very sheltered and I wanted to change that. So I think that that's the biggest thing. However, being fair, I daily recognize the quality of the scholastic training that I had as a child. I would not credit all of that to Anne-Marie. Um, I would credit none of it to Eric because he was not involved in the homeschool process. Um... I would credit it to the spirit of 
self-discovery and self-education that I was encouraged to have. Um, you know, I was reading original source manuscripts from as early as the 1600s. Well, older than that. By the time I was in eighth grade. Um, and that was the, the environment that I was cur encouraged to be a part of. So I feel doubly equipped in a lot of academic situations. In fact, oftentimes I feel more equipped to handle an academic situation that I'm not qualified for than a social situation that anyone should be qualified for. Does that make hmm. sense? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, I keep forgetting. That's okay. Uh, let's go with six. What has been the biggest thing to help you during your transition? Or top three? People or like, what's, what's the biggest thing? What do you mean? Anything. What has been the most helpful to you as you've started this new chapter in your life? in becoming who you are? What's been the most helpful? Has it been certain people, certain resources? Um, cookout? Uh, <laughs> I would say, generally speaking, affirmation. Um, so what that looks like for me. Um, talking with people and it somehow coming up in conversation that I'm in the process of transition and having someone say, oh, my son is transgender. Or oh, my best friend is transgender. Or, you know what? I've been waiting for you to say that for 20 years. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> like, no surprise there. Like, all of those responses have been the most helpful for me. Um, the responses that say, yeah, I see you. I get you. Yeah. Has there been anything else other than those interactions with people? Have there been any moments that you were like, wow, that was, that was really affirming? Even outside of people in like media or. Um, well, we've done a couple like being out and people, um, coding me correctly. It's always mm. wonderful. Like getting gender correctly is like one of the best feelings in the whole entire world. Like, <laughs> thanks. Like it really wasn't that hard to see, but like, you'd be surprised at how much people struggle with that. How does it feel to be misgendered? Uh, it's becoming more increasingly frustrating for me. Um, it's something that I chose not to be frustrated by in the beginning because I said, Hey, like I look pretty masculine. I've been trained my whole life to be masculine. Like, I get it if people misgender me, but the more I look externally like a woman, um, the more I function in society as a woman, the more it's not a secret <laughs> that I'm a woman, the more frustrating, and I almost want to say the word is infuriating, it is when people misgender me, because it gets to a point where I wonder, this has got to be intentional, right? Like, look at me, look at the person that I am, look at who I look like. Why the fuck would you use sir when referring to me unless you're being 
derogatory. So yeah, it's becoming more and more an issue with me to the point where I will correct you on it. Um, a, a few people I've been like, what about me says sir? Like, why did you just call me sir? Like, what's up? And if you're really that confused, maybe just don't use any gendered language. Right. It's Maybe don't guess. It's really not that hard. <laughs> I promise it's not hard. <laughs> it's not. I promise. Um, two. Um, what traits do you have that are similar to Eric and Anne? Who? Good, bad, right. solely physical, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, skin deep. I've, I've always had, um, Eric's skin tone, but Anne Marie's features. Mm -hmm. So I've always had more of the Mediterranean, um, bordering on Middle Eastern features, even though that I have very white color. Um, deeper than that, my desire to please everyone, <laughs> besides coming from trauma, also comes from Eric. Um, Eric will not stir the pot, will not encourage trouble. Yeah. Um... But my willingness to fight for something actually comes from Anne-Marie. Um, oftentimes, it's been fighting for wrong things for her. Um, like she spent her entire life fighting in a very toxic, very destructive, very hurtful way to everyone around her. But she has that tenacity. She, she fights. And... That's where I got the fighting. I was taught that fighting is wrong, but it was modeled to me. And that's where I got my spirit, got my fight. Mm. Um, my altruism actually comes from Anne-Marie, believe it or not. Um, yeah. And I think this is a really interesting point that it's something I didn't understand until I met you and really got to know your situation with abuse. Is that abusers present themselves with a lot of good characteristics. I have a lot of good memories of Eric and Anne. And I think that's a really big part of the system of abuse and the pattern of abuse is that there is tons of terrible shit that happens, but it's mixed into a lot of stuff that you're like oh well that wasn't so bad like oh well well she did this and and he did this and mm -hmm. no one died mm -hmm. and i think that makes processing the abuse that much harder in that mm -hmm. there's almost like a, a level of guilt assigned to it mm -hmm. yeah like how can i feel this way about these people when they did this, this, and this for me, or I have these memories or whatever. But then I remember when you first told me about some of the abuse, I'm like, why the fuck did you talk to them for so long? Like, how, why didn't you cut them off earlier? But mm -hmm. it's more complicated than that. Yeah. Because there's good in them. Because they believe that they are exhibiting love um 
because they believe that they're doing the best that they could. All of these are reasons. Um, and these are the excuses that I made for them for so long until I realized that all of the above could be true. And I just want to take a minute and, one, apologize if this was, you know, super triggering for anyone, you know, to talk about this. But also to affirm that it's okay to have good memories of your abusers. Yeah. And that's a really tricky balance. Yeah. At first, I tried to purge all the good memories, like... If they're going to be bad, they have to be all bad. But I had to come to terms with understanding that it's okay that I have good memories. It's okay that I can talk about um, springtime and the Tulip Festival in Holland, Michigan, or, you know, all of those things. Now, granted, a lot of those memories, as I go back and look, they're actually, when I look at them, they're, I've rose-colored them through the years, mm -hmm. and there were actually really bad things that were going on at the same time. For example, like this magic vacation that we had to North Carolina, um, Banner Elk, actually, mm -hmm. as a child, um, was one of the greatest moments of my life, memory-wise, but when I looked back at it, I remembered vicious, horrible, horrific fighting back and forth between my parents the entire drive up there strife and and meanness towards the kids like so i will say that a lot of those good memories become tainted when you look back at them but some of them aren't and it's okay to acknowledge that it's okay to say yeah i have some good memories with that person and that's not just parents mm -hmm. like i've been in high control relationships and it's okay to step back and say well there were some good qualities about that person. They weren't the person for me. They were really problematic. Here's why I left. But I still remember good memories. Yeah. Very well said. Thanks. Uh, how about number one? Hmm. What would you say to young Evan if you could meet her now? First of all, I'd say you were right. I'd say you're right. You know what you're talking about. You're not crazy. And there will be a point in your life when everything that you have been told you cannot trust yourself about will be proven. I'd tell me that I can be trusted. That I am not the first, uh, that I'm not the last voice to listen to. That I'm the first. That I have valid dreams, valid opinions, valid beliefs. I would say I would say fight sooner 
But even though you feel like you can't, even though you feel like you're scared, even though you feel like what you're experiencing now is going to be for the rest of your life, it's okay that you're not fighting now. Because when you do, you'll be ready. Damn. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> I think we're actually running out of time. <laughs> do you want to end there? Or do you want to end on a fun question? I think that's a good spot to end. Okay. Because yeah. we got more. <laughs> Maybe we need to do another one of these. Hang on to those questions. This has been fun. I hope everybody else enjoyed it. Um, let us know in the comments. Um, you can message us through Patreon. You can message us through um, anchor.fm forward slash girlfound. Um, or you can contact us through our Instagram, girlfoundpod. Right? Yeah. Girlfoundpod. Girlfound yeah. Pod. Yeah. Girlfoundpod. All one word. So, yeah. Thank you for interviewing me, Caroline. This was fun. Oh, thanks for having me. I like yeah. being in control. Oh, I I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. So uh, thank you so much for joining us this week on Girl Found. I'm Evan. I was joined this week by my wife, Caroline. Um, we have really exciting news. Our Patreon is good to go. Um, you can find the link for it uh, in our Instagram, Girl Found Pod. You can also look it up. It is patreon.com forward slash girl found. Super easy. Try to keep things consistent. Um, so yeah, uh, your support on Patreon allows us to create more content, allows us to create more frequent content, allows us to increase the quality of our content, and it allows us to connect with you guys a lot more. Um, with a membership on Patreon, there are three different tiers. And if you, any of the tiers allow you to privately message me about anything, anytime. Um, but also if you want to talk to me, talk to me through Instagram. I'm always willing to talk. I love getting messages from you. Um, so yeah, reach out. Let's chat. Thank you so much for joining us this week. This episode was created, written, and produced by me, Evan Bates. And music this week was from Adobe Stock. In this coming week, I hope that you listen to your inner voice about what's wrong, right, wrong, what's healthy, and what's dangerous for you. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.